The interview you're about to hear changes everything. My guest today is Michelle Sinet, Legacy Project Consultant. She guides companies and individuals through the collective transformation into the new paradigm of business and life. Is everything you are creating in alignment with its destiny? Michelle is founder of Legacy Cacao, founder of Soul Legacy Consulting, master intuitive neuropsychology specialist, wife, mama, earth lover, plant protector, and indigenous ally. In this episode, we speak about the new paradigm of business and life. What does that mean and how does it feel? And if you really allow yourself to be present to this conversation, it will bypass your brain and go straight into your heart and you will feel it so deeply that you won't even believe how powerful transferring consciousness through these radio waves can be. We covered the two kinds of businesses, the brain-led ones, old paradigm, and the new kind, which are an invitation for source, being the stewards of the new paradigm, and trusting what is meant to come through you. We talk about what bringing this new paradigm into businesses and large corporation looks like, about what the practice of surrender actually means, trusting divine timing, knowing your worth, entrepreneurs being the artists of today, cacao as plant medicine, music and numbers being the language of source, and showing up on social media from a place of overflow. Before we dive into this interview, I want to tell you about ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com. Conscious Social Media Method is the home for all of my courses and offerings for translating your unique original medicine through the digital realm into the world and making an impact. I have courses and workshops all weaving together the unseen energetic realm together with very, very practical and strategic ways to show up in a way that is aligned with your soul, with your highest purpose, in a way that is not old marketing paradigm, in a way that truly embraces the multidimensionality of who you are and how you are meant to show up. So if you're curious to dive into it, head over to ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com. I've got a couple of very, very, very special things going on there right now. So tap into what feels right for you. I have both one-off workshops that you can watch and take in the frequency of and start implementing. And I have longer courses that take you on a deep journey of transforming your relationship with your why, with how you show up, and finding ease and creating content, growing your community, and ultimately monetizing it. All of that is on ConsciousSocialMediaMethod.com. And as always, you can find all show notes and other episodes on WokeAndWire.com. Here's Michelle Sinet. Michelle, you just asked me what my intention is for this podcast, and I'm so grateful for it because it is to hold space for this new vision for the new paradigm of business and life to be feel more real in the hearts of those who choose to tune into the frequency that we are co-creating now. So thank you so much for being here and for doing what you do. As I was reading your bio, or we, we submitted next to your bio as well, that sounds more like a statement. I just had full body goosebumps and it's so potent and just the words in it are the embodiment of the new paradigm in itself. Thank you for not just reading it, but feeling it. You know, every word is intentional and the combinations of the words are intentional. And really as divine souls in the in this human form we're a living invitation at all times so thank you for connecting to that so i want to get straight into that vision you one of the things that you do is you guide companies and individuals through the collective transformation into the new paradigm of business and life what does that what does that mean in your work so I am an intuitive and that's generationally on both sides of my family. And my background is in neuropsychology and pharmacology. 
And I really love where soul and science come together. You know, usually it's science catching up, right, with what we already know through the ancient lineages and wisdoms. And what I've been told by my guides, it's very simple. All of business is completely changing and we're moving out of the get energy and we're moving into it's time to to be in full attention intention with our why and we have an opportunity to no longer be separated in work and self in business and in play in business and in life we have an opportunity to move back into full integration so I truly believe that however you choose to live your life, it's time to live that in all areas, and that includes business. So transparency, sovereignty, and really the way that our my family operates is the same way that we operate in business. We're really connected to our things, ancient, simple, and alive. Ancient, honoring our ancestors, the ancient wisdom, the ancientness of our soul, and the access what, that we have to all wisdom is it simple right here, right now, present moment. And love is action. So the aliveness is bringing that through, bringing that through so that it's in the highest and best for all, which also, by the way, means the most abundant. That's where the most possibility lies. Hmm. And immediately I want to ask you what that version of it looks like for you. And I want to, with that question, acknowledge that it's going to look unique and different for everyone, just like you pointed to it. But I'm curious, what does that new paradigm life look like for you? And what does your day-to-day look like? So on the day-to-day, every single thing that I do in my life, I check in. I check in with my guides. I check in with the alignment. I check in Is it in the highest and best? I'm on this podcast with you because I heard a yes. I heard a clear yes from spirit. That's that's first and foremost for me. I also am on this podcast because I really believe in you. And I believe in the, the messenger that you are, the channel that you are. And so my day-to-day is checking in hundreds of times a day. Every time, it's simple. It's not just... This is my mission or my philosophy for my companies. It's if my phone is ringing and even if it's my wife calling, I do not answer my phone unless I hear yes. Because my desire is to be exactly where I'm meant to be, doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing in each moment, like in alignment with my soul, in alignment with my contract here, in alignment with highest and best for all. So I break down even the tiniest actions to look at, can I answer the phone? Oh, yes, of course I could. But why? Why am I just answering it? Even if it's my wife, why would I just answer it? Is that in the highest and best for her, for me? And that's a moment by moment basis. So that really requires you to be in the present moment and to trust that. But that's how I move through my day. Even the simple things like, you know, I randomly check Is this toothpaste in the highest and best? Every single morning we have cacao together, but we check in every morning. Sometimes we hear a no. Sometimes we hear, you know, sometimes I'll hear a yes to make it, but simply hold it and not drink it. Just be with it. Use my other senses to explore it. So my day-to-day is checking in all day long, you know, removing the brain from being in control and having the soul run my life and having the brain support the soul in business. This is so key. Like we can't be in this get energy, you know, what's your ideal customer, all of these old outdated languagings and concepts and energies. People are waking up. They're moving into their sovereignty. They're moving into their wisdom. They're moving away from having products and people be their source and are moving towards those that are the invitation for them to come home to themselves and to rise up and be side by side. So in business, it's, I don't do anything unless I, I hear to do it. And, 
And then that action is what I call it a divine action. It's in full alignment and it allows, it allows everything to resonate at its highest. Every single invitation we have, we check in. I'm feeling into the space of that divine checking in. And it's so interesting in your space, the questions that arise from a place of worry. You know, my question was, so how does one tap into that when they are so tapped into just day-to-day tasks? But the answer is in that presence. But how do we get access to that trusting, surrendered, clear place within us when it's not as easy? We have been domesticated to believe it's not easy. So start with the willingness, the willingness to believe it can be that easy. I have a six-month-old daughter. I'm watching her express daily how easy it is. She knows exactly who she is. She knows exactly what she wants. And I'm watching adults around her occasionally try to tell her her knowing is wrong. And so it's so easy to see how that gets, how we are domesticated in that. You are breathing. It is that easy. It's right there. It's not that I have special gifts that others don't have. You know, everyone has access to this information. It's right there. But it is about turning down the volume on your brain, which is usually, you know, on high. So the how, actually the word how always comes from the brain and never comes from the soul, but it's important. So how starts with just willingness, willingness to believe it is easy because in the paradigm of it's hard, it's one of the ways that we procrastinate. Sometimes it's how we just slow things down, you know, hitting the gas and the brake at the same time. It's right there. I think the harder part is trusting it. Mm. And that, that's why you practice. I'm willing to hear my guidance. I'm willing to hear the alignment, the truth, and then just practice it. You know, like I said, with the simple little things, the toothpaste, the, you know, is this macadamia nut milk? in alignment today, you know, just all the simple things, just playing, 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 playing with throwing it out there and willing to hear the answer. You don't lean or stretch for the answer because that's constricting. So it's, you know, it's like in yoga, if you try to do a pose, it's not going to happen. You have to sink in, you have to allow, you have to be willing, even when it feels at whatever stage you're at physically impossible it's not, it's there. It's, it's naturally available to you. So it's that willingness and that relaxing into it. You mentioned the word play. How does playfulness fit into this new vision for how we show up and share our gifts and make money? So I broke up with making money because what I realized is that I created a soul contract. And when I created that soul contract before I came here, I was fully funded. I'm fully backed by the bank of God, by the bank of source and divinity. There's not a single soul who comes to earth with a contract, with a purpose, and they can't do it because of money. No soul punks themselves and like create some kind of purpose that they cannot fulfill because of money. So once I realized I'm my true purpose is fully backed, I broke up with making money because if i'm the one making it happen even if it's in best intention it's limited to what i know and instead i'd rather go to the the higher knowing and be an instrument so i broke up with making money what i know is that when i'm in full alignment money comes constantly i'm constantly surprised by it when I work with organizations, very traditional corporations who are recognizing consumers are not going to be manipulated anymore, and that not only do they personally thrive and the organization personally thrives, but the customer thrives when everyone's in alignment, the relief of not having to make it. I can manipulate universal law all day long if I choose to use my energy that way, but then I have to keep running on the rat wheel. And it's very much like an infinity loop with the heart in the middle. You get on one end of that loop and you're running, you're running, you're running, you're, you know, making it happen. You're not checking in on those decisions and it requires more and more effort 
to sustain what you have versus allowing it to go through the other side, through source and flow back to you. So the making money piece, break up with that and absolutely know you're you're fully funded. Know what you're meant to say, know what you're meant to invite, and the money will come in from all kinds of sources. You actually won't be able to stop it from coming. So there is this interesting balance. I love that vision so much, Michelle, that you painted of instead of making money, allowing it to come by being in alignment. I really felt that really deeply. I also just had a cup of legacy right before outside. So everything Mm -hmm. is just pumping in my heart and kicking in. And I'm curious, you know, what is the, the balance between spending our days checking in, finding alignment, and at the same time creating some pathways for people to actually come in and hire us and for that money to flow in, whether that's consulting or running a business? What is your experience with that? There's two kinds of business. There's business that was created from the mind and from the ego. And that kind of business can be wildly successful in the old paradigm and in the 3D world. But that kind of business, as we're seeing, you know, even valuation models, the valuation models drove the way business was being conducted. And it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for life on earth. So everything is being switched. And the businesses that were thought up from the brain and usually from a fear of lack of unworthiness, needing to prove success, whatever whatever the why is, the, the businesses that were created from the brain are all coming down. And some of these are grandpa organizations that have been around longer than the history of the U.S. They're coming down unless they shift and they know that. The second, most of them know that. The second kind of business is actually a being. It's an invitation in the mind of source, divinity, whatever word is the right word for you. It's so important to not get caught up on those words because all of it is silly, right? English has been around for two seconds. So whatever that word is that gives you goosebumps and causes your heart to explode open, use that word. But there is that all source knowing possibility. And it's trying to come through. It's trying to come through and invite more love, more expansion, more life itself. And those businesses are beings. They actually, there's a soul to them. There's a purpose to them. There's a why they want to come through you. So your message your work, it's its very much about the invitation and actually less about the product. So whether it's a shoe or a speaking career, whatever it is, that type of business is the only kind of business that's going to exist here. And so it, we actually end up being the stewards of this invitation of this being that wants to come through. And our job is to listen to that at all times, to make every decision connecting to that. So there is action. The first action is, you know, let's say, oh, I want to be a health coach. Well, what's your why? Well, I want to help people. Are you meant to help people? Do people need help? Or are you feeling a message that you know has to come through you? Are you feeling something that has to come through you? And you're not even sure how little, how big, you just know you have to share this. Start with your why. Make sure that if you're going to make anything, make sure that what you're pouring all of your power into is that business from source. It is that being that wants to be here in invitation to vibrate everyone up into their true nature. Because that's that's what we're going into with the shift in consciousness. We're moving, you know, if you think of a piano, it's not bad or good, you know, middle C, low C, high C, they're all C on the piano, but I really experience people as each person is like an individual note. So whatever your business is, whatever your work is, 
choose to do work that invites people into their full expression of their note. Otherwise, it's missing from the piano. No one can be replaced. And we've been exploring middle C and below. You know, energy can only create or destroy, period. It's not personal. I mean, that's just science. So as a collective, we've been, you know, middle C and below exploring very much destruction energy. We're really, really good at it. We've taken it to the end, but now we're all gathering at middle C and above to play together in what we can create. So start now with whatever your business is, wherever you're putting your power, that you know that this is actually something that's meant to be an invitation for all of consciousness. When you started talking about the second type of business, my left thumb was twitching so strongly I couldn't stop it. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. I've waited for this lifetime for so many lifetimes. I'm seeing corporations that really did it the old way. We're very com- committed to that exploitive tried to go into performative and they're realizing now and it starts at a very individual layer level the founder the executive team there's no you know going to a sound bath on sunday and then going back to your corporate life on monday and getting and taking and manipulating and strategizing against and grabbing at and it doesn't work that way anymore so these corporations the individuals underneath the corporation structure, they're realizing it's time they have to emerge in their full self. And the concept of work, hard work, it, you know, so many are very addicted to that idea. It was part of the domestication. The, all of that's going to disappear. We're not going to be spending, you know, hours and hours and hours and and years and years and years exploring our pain and trying to heal it, the brokenness, the idea of brokenness, it's all disappearing. We're all meeting at middle C and above, and we're going to play. We're, I mean, play is so part of the true nature of all things. When you watch nature, it's very celebratory. It's very expressive. It has no opinion or judgment about any phase that it's in, including death. That is so beautiful. I just came back from um, getting married in South Africa where I was immersed in wild nature with all kinds of wild animals from rhinos to elephants to lions. And it's this divine presence of just being and there's nothing that's right and wrong. There's just the course of life force changing shape over time. And I'm curious with corporations and with working with companies in a bigger scale, you mentioned that it starts on an individual level. How can one implement changes once they start becoming present to this truth of new business? And how can one apply that to an existing business, especially when it's a bigger structure, but smaller ones too? I think at the leaders, it's very important to sit down with your teams and start looking at their why. If you have a fear-based culture, your your company is going to dissolve. It will not it will not move forward. We can no longer motivate ourselves with fear. We can no longer motivate each other with fear. Yes, to all of that. And Michelle, you also speak about intuition and psychic abilities being your birthright, everyone's birthright. How did you come to the awareness of those gifts? And how do you guide others to get in touch with them? I was always connected to it. And I was connected to it, but I wasn't guided in it. Because in my family, there was a lot of fear, fear for my safety. The world wasn't ready. And so it was not discussed. And so I was on my own journey with it. I actually, as a child, really felt like it was a curse. I felt like God hates me. Why am I being shown these things? I'm a child. And either I wouldn't get the full information, or even if I did, nobody would listen. You know, even if I got an address and said, hey, this house is going to catch fire, I was just kind of 
shoved aside with that, and then the house would catch on fire, and then people would be afraid of me. So I, I, as, as a child, I learned no matter what, even if this can help, people aren't willing to receive the help. And in fact, what will happen is they'll just be afraid of me and reject the messenger because they're afraid of the message. And so as a child, I, I was really angry with source about that, like, stop showing me I want to sleep at night, <laughs> you know, because it would come in at night because I try to block it during the day. And there was quite a journey with that. It was very, and the way I compensated for that, you know, you have to remember, this was a time where this was not a career, you were either considered crazy, or it was like a novelty, you know, like, the call me now kind of thing. It was not respected. It was not a career. And and then being queer, it also was an issue of a time where I didn't see anybody queer thriving and actually being able to own a home. So I was like feeling like this was a double curse and that I needed to get very in my head and very strategic and very type A and make my life happen. And that's partly why I was going into neuropsychology and law and all of those directions. And when I was 14, I had a very serious head injury that I died several times. I was in a remote area and had a horse accident, very remote. And so died several times on the way the hospital crashed. They had to transport me to a larger hospital, crashed several times, was in a coma for a month. When I woke up from the coma, I was blind for a month. And that was my, I'll joke and say, oh, that's my come to Jesus moment. It really was a moment where I was brought home and it it felt like a board meeting. There was quite a few characters there having a conversation with me to tell me, you are going back. This is what you're doing. This is why you're there. And it became very, also by having head injury, I couldn't rely on my intellect and my brain. I couldn't rely on that forcing energy, that make it happen energy, because my computer was short-circuited temporarily with swelling and, and injury. So it, I had to go back to my intuition and it became very clear to me that any time I go into trying turning off my true nature and going into the make it happen mode, it's not. There's so much energy coming through me that it's never going to happen. I'll get stopped in my tracks. And I actually did. I had another really serious head injury in 2002 where I was hospitalized for a year and a half. So it took a couple, it, I'm very stubborn where <laughs> I was. So, you know, people have this idea of like, oh, you were born like this and you were in white robes and you were chanting and you just always knew and, you know, levitating over your pillow. And it's like, no, not at all. I was afraid of how to support myself. I was afraid of being accepted in society. I had a chip on my shoulder to prove. I completely turned away from the truth of who I am and got knocked back in to why I'm here over and over again until I finally surrendered. What did that surrender after those injuries and accidents look like for you? Was it a step-by-step process of getting on your track or was it just immediate? Okay, we're doing this. The knowing that I had to, the knowing that living my life in alignment with my higher knowing and my purpose and my calling for the highest and best good for all, that was instant. I knew that I wasn't even going to get off the planet. I would continue to have head injuries or whatever it took, but it wasn't even that I was going to leave the planet because I really loved being home. So I was 14 when that happened. So take a 14-year-old and hormones and whatever angry teenager stuff was already there. And then I felt like literally God made me come back, rejected me and made me come back. There was all of that to manage. And with surrender, it starts with today. It starts with choosing to live your life in alignment 
even if you don't know what that in alignment with what, what am I supposed to do? What do I do right now? Sometimes that, you know, that's my prayer constantly. This isn't a surrender isn't a, an event that happens and now you're through it. Surrender is a daily choice. And I look at surrender as actually just present moment. Where do I choose to point my power? Do I choose to worship fear or do I choose to worship love? Do I choose to point my power towards destruction or do I choose to point my power towards creation in this moment? So maybe in this moment, I feel like I should do this and I should check my emails and I have 13 contracts to review and okay, shoulds. Yeah, need tos, have tos, all brain language. I know that. What am I meant to do? And I ask constantly, what am I meant to know right now? What am I meant to do right now? And right now, what I might be absolutely divinely meant to do is take a nap because maybe source is trying to reach me and actually needs me to rest and quiet the brain to fully talk to me. Maybe what I'm meant to do, even though, you know, my team or whoever it is, is like, we needed this 30 minutes ago. Maybe I'm meant to be barefoot in the dirt outside and not in an airy fairy way, in a absolutely acknowledging the ancientness of that earth, the wisdom of the plants around me and the clarity and the purity of them and their message. And if I'm meant to be with them, I'm meant to be with them, period. So if you go in the future, you're going to have anxiety. If you go in the past, you're going to have depression. You're, you know, we all know this. The only moment that matters is right here. And, and I commit to the willingness to hear what I'm meant to do right now. And the doing is really a being, right? It's the embodiment of it. And that's where the why comes in. That's where the why changes the doing to being. If the why is alignment, it's beingness. It's the maximum vibrational invitation. If the why is to get, you know, either to reduce your fears, to get resources, to manipulate customers, to achieve a following just from a get energy, you're in destruction energy now. So when you notice your fears or whatever pop up, we're going to feel them, but the feelings aren't facts. So it's not that I don't feel fear or I don't feel anxiety or I don't feel depression but or the worries or the how am I going to support myself stuff in the early days. Like It's not that I don't feel that. I feel it. I acknowledge it. Okay, I feel afraid about X, Y, and Z. But when I go into choosing, what do I choose? I check in with what am I meant to hear right now? What am I meant to do right now? And that's it. I fully bring all of my presence, which is my power, to that. I'm taking so many notes that I'm going to write out and have all over my workplace, all over my home. It's such a potent reminder of what am I meant to hear right now? Because it's such an invitation for presence and being with the flows of our body and wisdom. And that makes me wonder, in your case, Michelle, how do you receive the guidance? Because I know it's different for everyone. For me, it's mostly clear cognizance. Sometimes, especially when I work with clients, I get visuals, but most of the time it's just a deep gut knowing. I'm curious, what is your personal experience with that and also what you've noticed in others? So my personal experience in general with this lifetime is I don't fit in a box. So I can do it all. And that's a, a awkward statement for me to, to say. It doesn't quite fit in my body to say it because immediately my soul is just like wanting to rush out and say, yes, and you can too. I'm aware that not everybody is meant Everybody can see it, hear it, you know, all the different ways the information comes in. But what are you, how are you meant to receive this information? And based on your particular soul contract and this lifetime, maybe you don't hear it all or see it all or experience it all or feel it all. Maybe you only hear it. 
or maybe, you know, maybe it's a whisper, maybe it's an image. So I do recognize that everybody has specific reasons why they've chosen to only connect in a certain way this lifetime. For me, it's all of it. Just in us talking, you know, being connected on this channel together, I'm already aware of some of the people that are going to hear this. So there's a few messages I've woven in here to like, they've actually shown me their faces. So I see it, I hear it, I know it, I, you know, often it comes in in vibration and music, you know, music is the language of God, numbers is the language of God, as well as source, again, divinity, whatever word is expansive for you. And so I experience it all, you and I talking, I mean, they, my, your guides, my guides, were all jumping in before I even got my eyes open this morning. So it, sometimes it's like 10 people talking to me at the same time, but I, I also am shown images. What I, what I will say in, in my ethics with it, divine timing is so supremely important. We are in a body and we are on this earthly plane on purpose. And when you hear something, you can't unhear it. So I always make sure my information is from the light. I always make sure it's in divine timing. And this is not something that I used to do. And, you know, I've announced it every single thing I hear before I allow it to come into me and become a part of my knowing and then out into creation of an invitation to other people everything I check in. Is it from the light? Is it in divine timing? And I I don't get my, I used to be in law enforcement and all different things and worked on missing children's cases. And, you know, I just, I rarely will connect to people who've transitioned because dead people aren't a good source of information. Usually I prefer to get all of my information from higher not knowing and higher beings that are never human so there's no agenda um yeah does that answer your question yeah definitely definitely and there's there's a few things that want to pop in and one of them was when you spoke to the energy of get and this idea of wanting to get followers in my line of work of helping people create coherence between their purpose, their goals, their vision, how they express themselves online and their unique medicine, I encounter that quite a bit, that with the old paradigm and a lot of people's minds, it's ingrained that you have to get followers, you have to build a platform before you do anything. And in my experience, it's been actually quite the reverse. It's when we step into our gifts and we just shine that light generously and we distribute it through whatever platforms were meant to, people show up and product ideas show up. What, what has your experience been with how this new paradigm applies to social media and what, what feels alive to share? So with what you just shared, I 100% agree. But the key to that is you have to have a certain foundation of knowing your worth. Because if you cannot share it generously, unless you have overflow. You cannot have overflow unless you move into a certain degree of I am, of self-love, of yes to yourself. You move out of the division against self. You don't have any overflow unless you're full. You can't become full by getting your followers. That's the old way, right? Using your followers, your clients, your whatever it is, whatever the language is of your industry, customers, we'll get them. They'll give us something and now we're full and we're successful. That paradigm is done. So yes, it's a generously sharing, but it doesn't even feel like generosity. It just is that you, it's just what you know you're meant to do without trying to muddy it with the results because even on the positive side of things we if we start doing projections and we get too much of our attention on those projections we're going to actually limit what could come in 
So it's always leaving it open-ended. You know your worth. So the martyrdom thing is done. That's also a paradigm that was here for a period of time, especially with healers, teachers, artists. To me, entrepreneurs are artists. Artists are, are, are individuals who connect to that source divinity and bring it through in whatever form that they're expressing in, in that moment. And it reminds people of the truth of who they are. So you know that you can only bring the truth of who you are here. And you sharing that in full embodiment is why you don't have to use any get. It's why you're on the opposite end of that scale. And it, and it isn't just magical for you. It isn't just, oh, if you look a certain way or you have certain talents, authenticity is priceless. So if you can go in and you can fall in love and know your value in some way and start to share from that overflow of love that you have for yourself, then absolutely. I mean, it will flood in and I've seen it across the board in many industries to the point where there are corporations, very, very old model. And I have often proposed to them, well, let me come in and you don't have to pay me. Let's work for a year. Don't pay me anything. However, what is your highest that you want to reach? If we reach that, I get this percentage. If we exceed that, if we double that, I get this percentage of it all. And that's how I've kind of made that bridge sometimes with people who want to make that leap and organizations that want to make that leap but are still very scared about their own worth and their own value out there. And then they get to see, they get to see what alignment brings in. There's two questions that come in with that. And I think that they are, I know they're related. One of them is it takes an immense amount of trust on your end or in the end of someone, you know, who's coming in in a similar position and saying, pay me a percentage of the success that you achieve, because not all of that is reliant on you. It relies on people actually taking on the practices and stepping into the alignment. So how, where does one source such deep trust? And the other question is, how can one tap into that overflow of love? So with your first question, I only work with people that I hear yes. I only, you know, even today being with you, it was because I heard a yes. Um, so as far as the diversity of the people that I work with, it's all, first of all, in a yes. And not every single one of them is that scenario, right? It's really organizations that are right on the edge and, and they truly desire to be in their yes way more than their business. By the way, it's usually they desire to be in alignment and then a yes in their own heart, in their own life. You know, they're ready for their marriage to change, their relationship with their family to change. They don't like who they are and they want to free themselves from the handcuffs they put on themselves and this like identity they created. So it's, they come to me for their company, but it's always because they know they have a bigger impact to make. Yeah. So it starts there. It's, you know, diverse in, I naturally who I'm working with, it, it's diversified if I only worked with those people, it's a certain kind of energy effort, right? Because I'm not going to go more than halfway because I will never participate in creating codependency on me. I'm not anyone's source. It's all about them connecting to their own knowing and power and truth. Um, so I won't go more than halfway, but some of those clients... I definitely have to toe the line right at that halfway point and keep saying, walk this direction, walk this direction. And then some of them are just absolutely 100% in their full yes. And we're playing in what's possible. And it's just so playful. And they already know this paradigm and they're already committed to it. And we're playing and we're just surprising ourselves every day with, with the possibilities of it. So there's a balance there for sure. And when you're working with one where, like you said, it, it, it is based on them continuing the invitation and them implementing the new paradigm, 
you have to watch because it's very easy to start getting into get energy, you know, wanting them to get it, wanting them to apply it, wanting them to be successful. And that's none of our business. So it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of faith in that situation because to begin with, I'm working with them because I heard a yes. And my sole job is always to bring the invitation. That is what I'm here for. Some people will say yes. Some people will say no. Some people will instantly be in it. Some people will come back in five years and, and apologize <laughs> sometimes. And now they're ready, you know, or their, their business, their marriage, everything came, crumbled to dust. And now we're in the Phoenix. None of that is their journey is none of my business. It's not, I never have an opinion of if they're right or they're wrong. I'm just bringing the invitation and that's what I get paid for from source. My clients are not my source of anything. Like divinity, me being in alignment, divinity sends resources through all kinds of avenues to me for, for me to do what I'm meant to do. So bringing the invitation, my work is done. And what they do with the invitation is none of my business. And that's where the sovereignty comes in. Exactly. When you spoke to how in order to share generously on social media and beyond, it has to come from a place of overflow of love for self. So how does the overflow of love play into it? And what does that actually mean on a practical level in our everyday lives? So where I really see this specifically, you know, it's just so obvious is with parents, right? It's something I work on on a daily basis still. It's natural for us to want our child, for example, to have a happy childhood. If you talk to most parents, they'll say, you know, I just want my child to have a happy childhood. If you talk to people with their business, I just want my business to be successful. It's the same version of that. And yet with the child, it's none of our business if they have a happy childhood. Maybe that's not what this soul came to do. I packed a lot of really tough stuff in very, very early, you know, and gratitude to my mom for agreeing to be my mom and be there through that. But every single thing was absolutely meant to happen and was important. So the overflow of love, it's often we do things either in get energy or in sacrifice energy. So moms tend to sacrifice for their children. And that's, that's an idea that was really implanted in us. Founders, CEOs, you know, particularly founders really get into the sacrificing for their company. And it's also why they have a hard time letting go of it when it's time to let go of their company. They really, it's their baby. And the sacrifice energy is destruction. So even if I want to invite somebody into a higher expression, into their higher expression, if I come in with sacrifice love, if I answer the call, if I'm putting in, you know, 80 hours on them, if I'm trying to get them to see something and I am not checking in if that's not each action is in highest and best, what I'm doing is I'm digging into my reserve and we do this all the time with friends, particularly or family, you know, we'll dig into our reserve, give them some of our energy, some of our faith, some of our knowing of how magical they are. We're, we're infusing them with that. We're giving that to them and they can feel it while we're feeding them. But if they can't sustain that on their own, they're going to crash. And that's what sacrifice love becomes is like, I don't have the extra, but I believe in you. I'm going to dig in and give this to you. And now it becomes like a very high interest loan. It has lots of strings attached because I took from my reserve, gave to you. Now you have to do something with it and grow it and give back to me. Otherwise I'm crashing. Now I'm in crisis. And because it's conditional like that, whether we intend it or we acknowledge it energetically, that's what's happening. And that alone can block that person from actually receiving the invitation. So the overflow has to 
It really just starts with your commitment to speaking your truth, which requires you to know your truth, which requires you to come into present moment, pause, take a breath before you say yes to anything. Is it in alignment? Is it in highest and best? That will fill your tank up with this love so that any action you move into as a divine action, it is fortified with overflow rather than digging into your reserves. Michelle, you so beautifully take the language of energy and love and translate it into concepts that are very humanly receivable. So thank you for that. Absolutely. This is the final topic I want to get into, and it's cacao. I am such a big fan of Legacy Cacao. We actually included it as part of our wedding ceremony. And when did cacao come into your life and how did she reveal herself and what role does it play now? Legacy Cacao is, you know, it is that model of new business with it. First of all, it's a plant medicine. You don't try to get people to use a plant medicine. Everything about that is actually harmful. (laughs) It's, you know, a plant medicine, you're called to it or you're not, period. So it eliminates the get energy. It's a whisper, you'll feel it, you'll know it, all of a sudden everyone's talking about it or someone gave it to you. Plant medicines, you don't have to seek them. They start working on you and they start calling you ahead. And I honestly, because I'm so sensitive with my food, if you know, I, I run energy through my food, especially if we're not home and I clear out everything because I can see when land is exploited. I can see when people are exploited. I can see and feel if the chef was angry, if, if the chef's being exploited and they're angry, the server's upset because their child is homesick, whatever it is, I feel all of that in my food. And every single time, like I had this whisper of the potency of cacao, but every time I had it, I could, it was like either almost dead, like its life force was just this tiny flicker, or I could see all of these things, you know, almost all of cacao is genetically modified. A tremendous amount of it is is harvested in a slavery situation. I mean, there's just so much with cacao and really all of our food, you know, knowing the source of our food as much as possible is part of our responsibility here. And every time I had it, I, I like could not drink it. And so there was all this conversation in, in my communities about cacao, but I, I couldn't relate at all. And then a business partner brought me back this cacao and just said, you have to have this. She made me a cup. And when I was holding the cup, I just started bawling. Because I saw the women's faces, I saw their hands, I saw the land and how happy the land was. But most importantly, I, it's so rare, you know, I've traveled the world and it's so rare to come across something that's exactly the way it's always been, that it hasn't been tampered with and modified and, you know, interfered with. And I could feel that with this lineage of cacao, I could see that. And I just, I was crying and I got goosebumps and I just knew this was part of my destiny. And so I went down and I met with, there was a group of us and met with the priestess who makes it. And there was, you know, with high expansion often follows contraction. You know, the brain tries to get in there and control things. So there was this high expansive moment and there was contractions. And at the end of the day, she asked me to take it around the world. And I heard a yes. I said yes. And it was at a point in my life where it was like, how am I going to, the how, right? How am I going to even have time for this? Like I, with work and life and I was already so full, it just I just wasn't even sure how this was going to be possible. 
And our, our life as a family got rerouted at that point. It was, it very clearly became obvious that we were asked to be stewards, not only to protect the land, the practices and this lineage of cacao that's from the original grandmother lineage trees, that in of itself was really important, but that this was about a bigger conversation in business practice and particularly business practices with indigenous communities. It's really taken a life of its own for sure. And I know when you speak to that, you're speaking about a new way. I mean, again, what, you know, if we try to fit it into language, I know one of the concepts you use is fair profit instead of nonprofit. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, that was simply something that was downloaded in a meditation from my guides because initially there was conversation about creating this as a nonprofit. This is not traditional business. This is really about this medicine has protect, been protected for 3,000 plus years. The priestess is absolutely decided that world consciousness is now ready for it. So it's about this medicine reaching the people that have been calling out for it, that their souls are ready for it and for the two to come together. And what I was shown in my meditation is this cannot be a nonprofit. And this is nothing against nonprofit structure. It's beautiful. It has its purpose and its place. It's really about alignment, right? And the nonprofit structure was not appropriate for this medicine because in this situation, it would imply that we're giving a hand out or a hand up. And that is wildly inappropriate. They're doing us the favor. Generation after generation after generation have laid their life down on the line protecting this cacao, literally. And that's a whole other history story, but they are doing us the favor. They have lived in alignment and have lived in truth and protection of this plant for generations when it wasn't going well for them, when they themselves were struggling and starving and homes and villages and land and all kinds of things were taken. There, nothing made sense on a logical level for them to keep protecting it, but they knew they were meant to do that and they did it. So there's not enough things. There's not enough gratitude. There's not enough money we can give to even begin to match what they've done for the planet and for us. So yeah, this was very much, nothing about it could be the old way, including the nonprofit structure in conversation. I didn't ever want to imply like we have something they don't and we're helping them out. It's the other way around. We desperately we're, we're crying out, especially in this country, we're crying out to know who we are and to, to, to move into alignment with that. So we need them. And this medicine, though it, the medicine itself is not meant to be worshipped either. It's one tool. It's a powerful tool. And it's, it's gentle and it's loving. And it's something that everyone can do. Everyone can make this. And it's also why we structured it so that you know, half of our inventory we had set aside to give it to people who, who can't afford it or who need to practice receiving. You know, sometimes in, especially in healer, artist, giver communities, they're so used to giving, they don't know how to receive, but that's so necessary for the balance. So yeah, fair profit was something that came into meditation and it was simply saying, this is the best in the world, in our opinion. And, and, you know, I've also had it scientifically tested. It's through the roof in nutrients and, and science um, possibilities with it, you know, what's showing up in the science of it. But we, this was a statement to say this is the best. When anyone has the best, are the best at what they do, they deserve to be paid well for it, period, the end. Nobody's doing it. A favor here and that's where not the nonprofit fair profit came in and I was told to create fair profit which is addressing that particularly the farmers the producers 
tend to make pennies on the dollar. And in, in my opinion, that imbalance speaks to the imbalance of everything that's leading to our extinction. Mm, cheers to that new vision and spreading that abundance and the healing of the plant medicine in such a delicious way. I have to mention Legacy is so delicious. It's it's mind-blowing. I tried making a different type of cacao for my husband and he wouldn't have it because I've spoiled him. <laughs> he was like, what's that other cacao you've been making? Can I have that? <laughs> so yeah, that didn't go well. Um, but anyway, I know we're at time, Michelle. You've been so wonderful. It's been so beautiful connecting with you. I wonder before we officially wrap up and before I ask you what the best way to connect with you is for the listeners, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? You know, just briefly, one thing I wanted to speak to, we have an exciting thing coming up with blockchain and the Penta Network has generously come in and brought their Penta blockchain technology to Cacao so that we'll have QR codes. The Penta team went down to Guatemala, verified the product, verified the farming. And so it's interesting because we're in this conversation of, you know, is technology the devil or is technology, you know, heaven sent in all these conversations about this. And what I believe is that technology is an amplifier and this is one of the beautiful ways that technology, instead of being, you know, it has often been used in a destruction way, but now like how you're using technology, you're using it to invite people back to the truth of who they are. You do it in such a pure and loving and clear way. And this blockchain technology partnering with legacy is so exciting to me because it's saying, you know, we don't have to throw everything out, but let's redirect it for the highest and best. And this technology, you know, it's a 600 billion annually in the US issue of counterfeit products. So when we're talking about that word ceremonial, ceremonial cacao, that's being thrown around constantly. Small batch is being thrown around constantly. And all this languaging and the consumer has no way to know what they can trust. So moving forward, using technology for transparency, using technology for accountability, you know, even in, in the cacao industry, us bringing this forward is challenging all the other cacaos. If you have nothing to hide, great. If you're truly what you say you are, have your information authenticated, have the consumer have full access to everything. So that's exciting to me that, you know, in this highly evolved technology state we're in, how to shift technology with what we're sending through it, our, our why and how we're using it. And this is, this is one way to do that. That is so fascinating. We've been reading books and learning everything about blockchain in the past couple of weeks. And of course, this comes in now. That's what I was meant to hear. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about Penta blockchain and how that plays into cacao and invites in more transparency. And in the meantime, Michelle, what is the best way for people to connect with you, with your work and with Legacy Cacao? So you can always email me. It's Michelle, E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, at Legacy Cacao. And that's all I really want to say today. I, I am wildly private, and I have never been out there pushing, promoting. And by the way, if that's done in alignment, it's beautiful. I'm not anti any of that. But today was actually about supporting you. I believe in you. I believe in the note that you are in this human harmonic is so powerful and so beautiful. And I see the impact you have and I see how you live it in your quiet as well as in your public. And so my first intention was to support you today. Legacy, just in our conversations, people will be called to it. And if they're called to it, look it up. Trust yourself. Yeah, so I just want to leave it very simple today and, and let people listen to their own whispers. 
Michelle, thank you so much. I'm holding my hand on my heart in receiving mode with just so much, so much gratitude for you, for your time, for what you do, and to your wife for connecting us. It was her that I had a cacao ritual with virtually last year about this time. And it was it was really full of magic. So I thank her for leading us up to this moment and here for the unfolding and continuing the alignment. Thank you so much. Thank you. It doesn't have to be that complicated. What if every morning you just asked yourself, what am I meant to do right now? What am I meant to know right now? And am I willing to hear the guidance? Those are some of my top takeaways from this conversation that ran really deep into my heart and into my being. And there's something else that came through, and I don't know who this is for, but I am guided to share it. The number 27 showed up very, very strongly in the recording of this conversation, and I don't know who this is for or what it means. It's not one of the numbers I normally work with. So whoever this is for, know that this is your sign, this is your divine confirmation that whatever you're thinking about is meant to come through you, and you're ready now. And before I wrap up this episode, there's one more thing I want to share. It's very, very special. It feels very sacred and powerful. I had goosebumps when I first came across it. Whenever anyone books a podcast interview with me, I ask them to submit a bio. And Michelle did submit a couple of sentences about what she does, which I shared in the intro to this episode, but she also shared something else. And I don't know what the category of this is. It's like I, an I am statement and also a healing encapsulated in words and the frequency of what I'm about to read is just so profoundly powerful. I was called to share it with you. So this is what Michelle wrote. I am wildly irreverent and deeply sacred. I am here as love for love. A love so powerful it will terrify every aspect of your false self. Intuition and psychic abilities are not a gift. They are your birthright. I sustained three major head injuries, flatlined, died, and remained in a coma for over a month to return back to this truth. You don't have to do it the hard way. I am here to call you out. Plain small is no longer an option. Our collective existence on the planet depends on everyone activating their full light. I will not be your source, your guru, your savior, your unattainable idea of perfection to attack, dethrone, or worship. I am here to remind you of the truth of who you are, and the soul contract you created when you chose to come here. I can walk with you, but I won't do it for you. It's up to you to return to sovereignty. And at the end of the day, it's all funny. I know my soul is eternal. Do you? Do you?